Welcome back to the Religions of the Ancient Mediterranean podcast. I'm Phil Harland, a prof at York University. This series is about associations, small social religious groups in the Roman Empire, and it begins to do some comparative studies of various different kinds of groups and seeing how they found a place for themselves within the societies of Greek cities, particularly in the Roman Empire. This episode, we finally turn to use some of the tools we talked about in the last episode. I began to sketch out in the last episode the social scientific anthropological and sociological approaches that scholars take to the study of immigrant groups and the question of acculturation and assimilation and issues of identity and how groups express their identity and maintain their identity. So now we turn to a case study that looks at one particular kind of ethnic group or one particular type of immigrant association that we find in various parts of the Mediterranean, namely groups of Phoenicians or Syrians, people that migrated from Syria or the smaller subregion of Syria, Phoenicia, to other cities in the Roman Empire, and there began to gather together with others and form an association together so that we can see how a group, an ethnic group of Syrians or Phoenicians, interacts with the host society where they've settled. These groups are particularly useful for comparing with Judeans, partly because Judeans are likewise from what is known by scholars as the Levant, the eastern coast of the Mediterranean. Remember that Judea is just a region just south of Phoenicia and that Syria is an area to the north of Phoenicia and includes Phoenicia but sometimes is even considered to include Judea. So we're in the same geographical region in terms of the origin of where these immigrants have come from. So it's particularly interesting, comparatively, to look at Phoenicians and Syrians and then turn to the question of how does that compare to the way in which Judeans are finding a place for themselves or not finding a place for themselves within these similar cities throughout the Mediterranean world. Once again, this episode is based on my research that's been published in the form of a couple books. Association Synagogues and Congregations in 2003, Dynamics of Identity in the World of the Early Christians in 2009. That latter book in particular has a chapter specifically on these Phoenicians and Syrians if you want to read further. Finally, there's that forthcoming source book written by myself, Richard Askoff, and John Kloppenborg that will give you translations of many of these association inscriptions that are discussed in this podcast and in my books. That's coming out probably in 2012, in the fall of 2012. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We're looking at Phoenicians and Syrians, and it will set the stage for looking at Judeans and other cultural minority groups like the Jesus groups, and asking that question, where do these groups fit or not fit within the societies where they are settled? How do they assimilate and in what ways do they maintain their own distinctive culture despite their other areas of assimilation? What we're doing here is a case study of Syrians and Phoenicians now with some of these methods I just outlined in mind. Even though we have very fragmentary evidence, what do we know about Syrian associations? People from Syria, just north of Israel, or Phoenicia, which is part of Syria, 
north of Israel. What do we know about people who moved from there to elsewhere in the Roman Empire, formed associations, and what do we know about those associations and their relationship to the societies in which they land, this host societies where they end up? And so we're going to use the Phoenicians and Syrians as a test case. We have lots of evidence of associations of immigrants from all over the place. But we don't have quite as much for one particular group as we have for the Phoenicians and Syrians and for the Judeans. Those are two immigrant groups for which we have far more evidence than we have for the other ones. What I in essence argue here in, in that paper you read was that uh, we find in the evidence for these Syrian or Phoenician associations, we find both evidence of contacts with the cultural life of the homeland, a continued connection with the homeland in the evidence that we have, that is primarily reflected, though not only, in the gods that are worshipped. It's quite clear that many of these Phoenicians and Syrians continue to honor the gods of their homeland. On the one hand, and on the other hand, there are differing degrees of contacts and interactions in the local host society where they have settled. So that there's evidence of assimilation at both the structural level and at the cultural level with these Syrian and Phoenician associations. Today we're talking about people who emigrated from a region known as Syria or a smaller subregion within Syria known as Phoenicia. As you may know, this region is on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean, just to the north of Judea and Samaria and Galilee, so just to the north of Israel. People from these places going elsewhere for a variety of reasons, emigrating, mainly for trade and merchant sort of activity, going somewhere else meeting up with fellow Syrians or Phoenicians or fellow Laodiceans or fellow Beruthians and forming an association together based on that common homeland. All right, so we're talking about this twofold factor of both the maintenance of their culture in terms of it as an ethnic group and their adaptation and assimilation in some respects to the culture where they have settled. Let's go through some of the cases we have from inscriptions and see how these two factors are playing themselves out. With ancient evidence, we only have fragmentary evidence, but we can nonetheless say tentative, tentatively, we can say some things about, we can see some commonalities, let's say, from one Assyrian group to another that allows us to say something general about the groups tentatively. Some of the inscriptions I talked about in the article you read came from Attica and the Pariahs. So that is in the southern part of Greece, Attica. Athens is in Attica, just to give you your bearings. And from there, we have this interesting couple inscriptions. There's this chief priest of the god Nergal that is attested in the Piraeus. Piraeus is near Athens. It's sort of like a port city. There's quite a few settlers there for that reason. This is part of the reason you find these immigrant groups in these places. Nergal is god of the Assyrians that gets taken on by some of the cities of Syria, as opposed to Assyria. So Ashur is north of Babylonia in Iraq. Um, and so Nergal was a god of the Assyrians way back then. But still, here in the third century BCE, we have people from Phoenicia who have settled in Attica, who are worshiping the Syrian deity in Attica. The other inscription that comes from uh, that same Piraeus that's quite interesting, involves an association of Sidonians. 
where here we have an association explicitly named. This one's both in Greek and in Phoenician. So this is a case where you have the preservation of language. It's a bilingual inscription set up by the Association of Sidonians for one of their fellow Sidonians. The inscription itself here mentions the god Baal of Sidon, so once again, preservation of the god from the homeland as the focus of attention for honoring the gods in the new host society for this group of Syrians. Baal is just a general term for Lord, but it's, there are many Baals as a way of putting it. But Baal of Sidon is most likely Eshmun, the Phoenician deity Eshmun. So even in the honors that are given to this guy named Shama Baal, the guy's name is named after the god that he honors, are Greek-style honors. So Greek style, the conventions of Greek honorary conventions that we're familiar with, are here being adopted by Syrian immigrants, Phoenician immigrants, to Piraeus. So th these little indications of both involvement in the local cultural conventions and continuance in the conventions and practices, cultural practices of your homeland simultaneously, right? Only little hints, but hints of both. Let's move on to some of the islands of the Aegean. And uh, some of these ones you do have in your course pack too, some of these inscriptions. So I'll draw your attention to them. We have, once again, just to summarize, a whole lot of examples of gods from Syria and gods from Phoenicia continuing to be honored by associations of Syrians and Phoenicians in these islands of the Aegean, west of Asia Minor and east of Greece in that Aegean Sea there. So this is from the late first century BCE. And this one involves two different types of immigrants here. Well, this is an Idumean who has emigrated from Idumeus slightly below Judea down here. Oops. So this guy has emigrated to this island of Sume. And here he's being honored. But also we have mentioned this association of Syrians in the process that have been involved. Let's read this one. The association of the Samothracian Aphrodisian Barbarists, so a group that are devoted to the Samothracian gods, or they're from Samothrace, they're devoted also to Aphrodite, and we don't even know what Barbarists mean. They set up this monument that we're reading right now on behalf of Euphrosunos the Idumean, resident foreigner and benefactor of the association. So this Idumean had emigrated, was already part of the social networks of benefaction on the island of Sume here, and has been a benefactor of an association. He's interacting with people from other ethnic groups in his new host society. The association praises and crowns him with a gold crown on, on account of his virtue and goodwill, which he continues to demonstrate to us all the time. Also, he has been crowned by us with gold crowns for the third time. They're now going to list what other groups have already done in honor of him. He's obviously been a benefactor of more than one association here in, on Sumi Island. They've crowned him with gold crowns for the third time. He has been crowned by the Adonian Aphrodisian Asclepiasts of Syrians with a gold crown. So these are Syrian em immigrants to this island of Sumi who are uh, devoted to Adonis, some god now called Adonis, some god now called Aphrodite, and some god now called Asclepius. They're devoted to those three deities. And it mentions a district that probably honored this Idumean. So a local neighborhood in Sume honors him, it seems. 
with a gold crown, and by the Apibomos district with a gold crown, all on account of his extreme goodness, which he continues to demonstrate to the association. This monument is dedicated to the gods. We can't as quite as easily as with some of the other uh, inscriptions we have identify who these gods are. Adonis, Aphrodite, and Asclepius are obviously Greek gods, but they may be code words, you could say, for specific deities from back home. But in this case, it's hard to make much of an argument for it. But what we do have, an association of Syrians that have gotten together here in their new home, who are already interacting with another foreigner, an Idumean, and are already recipients of benefactions alongside other associations that are local. They're sort of being treated as another association. They're not totally ostracized. They're not totally in the ghetto. It's hard to know much more besides the fact that they're already participating to some degree in the local social life of the place they've settled. So that's the sort of limited evidence we have. It gives you hints of things, but it doesn't give you quite as much as you want. Let's go to the island of Delos. Island of Delos is extremely important economically. It's closer to Greece than it is to Asia Minor, but it's in this Aegean as well. It's very important, Delos, economically in the period we're talking about. So from the second century BCE to the first century BCE before it was destroyed, this was a key stop-off point for a lot of the trade that goes east to west in the ancient Mediterranean world. And so Delos ended up becoming a main port city, a stopover for all kinds of mercantile activity. One of the results of this was that there's all kinds of immigrants in Delos. So we know of all kinds of different groups that exist there, all kinds of associations. We, saw, we have Judeans, we have Israelites, most likely Samaritans that you read about. We have Beirutians from Beirut, we have Tyrians from Tyre. The association life on Delos is really rich. There's tons of inscriptions regarding guilds and associations from this locale. So it's a bit unusual in that way, the degree to which we have evidence from that place. Let's take a look at, first of all, the inscription uh, involving the Syrian deity from Hierapolis in Syria. Most of these inscriptions from Delos range from this date that is this one's from, 166 to 88 BCE. This is the period when Athens is the main administrator and main power has control over Delos, but Rome is starting to put its fingers in, in having a role in Delos as well. It's, it's because of its importance for trade, both Rome that's extending its power in this period. We know that Rome already has Asia by 133 BCE, remember that? that the province of Asia is formed in 133 BCE. So Rome's right nearby there in terms of uh, power, but Athens has the main control of Delos, and they're both sort of, there's all kinds of Roman things going on out there, all kinds of Athenian things going on in Delos, uh, and that's the context in which we're working here. So this inscription comes from that period of 166 to 88 BCE, and here's what it says. The priest, Nikon, son of Apollonius, and the priestess, his wife Onosako, daughter of Xenon, arranged for the reconstruction of the previous building, they use the word for house here, oikos, by which it was separated from the area of the temple of Serapis, on behalf of themselves and their children as a thanksgiving to Hagne Thea, pure goddess. The association of society members of Syrians, who meet on the 20th day of the month, which the goddess gathers together, have also made a collection towards the renovation of the building, 50 Delian drachmae, 
some, something's erased there, whether or not they changed the amount they donated or whether increasing it or what happened there, we're not sure, but it was erased. Someone scratched out something on the stone at that point. So here's another group that explicitly identifies themselves as Syrians. Here they are clearly devotees of the same goddess that is mentioned in connection with this priest and the priestess. We know from quite a few other inscriptions that the goddess that is called pure goddess is also called pure Aphrodite sometimes. Pure Aphrodite, the Syrian goddess in some other inscriptions. So already you're starting to see that they mean Aphrodite in a different way than the Greek Aphrodite. We're talking about a Syrian goddess here. And finally, this is the one that's exactly what's really being talked about, Atargatis, pure goddess, in some of the other inscriptions. So this pure goddess is repeatedly used in connection with this goddess. And what they're really talking about is Atargatis. We happen to know quite a lot about the temple of Atargatis back in Syria. It's in Hierapolis in Syria. The reason we know about it is because that guy Lucian of Samosata, you guys know so well now, wrote a whole discourse about the temple of Atargatis in Hierapolis. The temple of Atargatis and Hadad, the Syrian Phoenician deities that are honored at that uh, main temple. And we know from Delos quite a few inscriptions involving this particular goddess being worshipped uh, on Delos, once in a while involving an association like this one. So Atargatis and Hadad are the gods that are still being honored by Syrians here, the gods from their homeland. So the Greek that is used for society members there, just because you guys are somewhat familiar now with terms, society members is theosotai, so it's a group of theosos members. You guys know the word theosos already from some of what we've mentioned. They call themselves two different typical names for an association, a koinon, common, and they call themselves a theosotai, a group of theosos members. So they've donated funds alongside this priest and priestess in order to have a temple extended for the goddess Atargatis here on the island of Delos. So this one illustrates quite well the preservation, at least, of honoring the gods from the homeland. Less evidence of specific elements of assimilation. We're still on Delos, still in the 2nd century BC and 1st century BC. Let's look at the Tyrians. This one's a little more extensive, and it happens to come from the exact same year as the Barutian inscription that's extensive. Both come from 153 BC, coincidentally. Not only were there associations of Syrians on Delos, we've already seen that, the same island, Delos. We just saw that association of Syrians devoted to Atragathus. But on top of that, some are a little more specific about their ethnic identity. That we're from Barut, and you guys are from Tyre. The Tyrians have their own association and the Barutians have their own association. Maybe some of the members of the Barutian association also belong to the Syrians devoted to Atargathus, maybe. This one's uh, an honorary inscription, and it's the, the minutes of the meeting. And they're honoring a member and a priest of their synod. The other weird thing about this inscription, this is another case where it's hard to figure out, and with the Barutian one, is that they use multiple words for an association, and it's a bit unclear what's happening, but it seems almost like they have subgroups within their association. So that sometimes they talk about the koinon, and sometimes they talk about the synod. And I tried to preserve that in the translation. It's almost like the synod is a subgroup within the koinon, within the association. I, I'm still not entirely clear on it. 
except this is the minutes of a meeting. Dionysius, son of Dionysius, the leader of society, of the Chiasos, said, since Patron, son of Doropios, who is a member of the Synod, approached the assembly and reaffirmed his existing goodwill towards the Synod, and because he has fulfilled numerous needs without hesitation and continues to speak and do what is advantageous both for the meeting, koinon, and for the Synod, all the time in accordance with his own existing goodwill toward every one of the merchants and shippers who sail on the sea, he goes on and on, right? So they're going to honor him for what he's done. Look at this next phrase here, which tells you one of the main contributions he made, and that also says something about the god they honor. They call themselves the Heracleans, devoted to Heracles. Now, adding even more goodwill with the goodwill of the gods, he invited the meeting to dispatch an embassy to the people of the Athenians in order that it might grant to them a place in which to build a sanctuary of Heracles, the cause of the greatest good things that happen to people, and the founder of our original homeland. There's quite an explicit identification with the homeland. But this is already indicating to you that they're using a Greek term for the god they honor, and yet they're thinking of the god of their homeland. And so he was chosen to be the ambassador to get permission from Athens, because remember Athens is controlling Delos, in order to get uh, permission to build on a particular piece of land. I explained to you a little bit of how you can make sense of who the god of the homeland is. Because elsewhere, in quite a few places, Heracles is identified with Melkart. Melkart being one of the main Phoenician deities. Uh, and so an inscription from elsewhere that I used to illustrate this idea is from, uh, actually, Sicily. Yeah, Sicilian, the Sicilian island of Malta. Some Tyrians, who, people from Tyre who emigrated there, erected a uh, bilingual dedication in both Phoenician and in Greek. In Phoenician, it's a dedication to Melkart, Lord of Tyre. And in Greek, it's translated Heracles, the founder. The god Melkart was, by the Phoenicians, considered a god especially associated with the founding of cities. And this is why Heracles, the founder, the epithet, the founder, is uh, identified with Melkart in that way, that they're both considered, you know, founders of cities. But this is one of the most clear cases where you have this idea of Heracles being Melkart. And that is most likely the case also with these Tyrians on Delos. That the god they're honoring is Melkart, the god of their homeland, as, he, as they call him. Regarding the immigrants from Beirut that have settled on Delos, the same place where the Tyrians are settled, the same place where all these groups that we just talked about are settled in the same time period. Uh, by the way, the Tyrians, at the end of the inscription, they mention the god Poseidon. And the Berutians have Poseidon as their main deity that they honor. So let's talk a little bit about the inscriptions here. Idelos 1777. Now, because we have more inscriptions for the Berutians, we can argue a little bit more about the uh, process of both assimilation to local institutions and to local practices, and the continuance of connections with the homeland. We can argue a little bit more on both points with regard to uh, this particular group. Uh, this inscription, I Delos 1777, comes from about 122 or 121 BCE, because they happen to mention who's the Archon, who's the main civic leader of the time that they put up this monument. And we know about when he was from, another, uh, from other inscriptions, when that was. 
this inscription and a few others involving the Barutians show the way in which they're beginning to be integrated and beginning to be participant in interacting with civic institutions and with imperial institutions on the island of Delos. That the Barutians are starting to show some signs of the structural assimilation that I outlined as one of the categories that social scientists use to analyze this. In this case here, we have them interacting with the people of the Athenians. Remember, that's a civic institution. That's the, 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 the democracy idea of the people, the citizen body of Athens. Remember, Athens controls Delos. And here we have the association of Barutians who are merchant shippers and warehousemen in Delos dedicating a monument to Apollo for the people of the Athenians because of the virtue and goodwill which it, the people, continues to have toward them. This was done when such and such was archon. But here we have the Barutians, immigrants, going to the trouble of setting up a monument to honor the people of the Athenians. Some interactions with uh, civic institutions locally in the host society where they're living. Now take a look at one below it, 1778. This one illustrates the interaction between this immigrant group of Barutians and other powers that have control in Delos and that have influence in Delos. In this case, connections with Rome. Remember that uh, we've already encountered this before. Roma is Rome. In Rome itself, the city of Rome was personified as a goddess. And that's what we're talking about right here. It turns out that these Barutians honor the gods of their homeland, whom they call ancestral gods. That's the word they use for them. And here, though, they also show that they honor the goddess Roma. The Association of Barutian Poseidonists, Merchant Shippers and Warehousemen, dedicated this to goddess Roma, benefactor, on account of the goodwill which she has in relation to the association and the homeland. So, Barutian immigrants, feeling at home enough that they're already identifying with the Athenian, uh, interacting with the Athenian institutions locally, but they're also acknowledging Roma, the goddess that represents Romans, Rome's power, and uh, recognizing her as protecting them and their own homeland back in Beirut. So in the case of the Beirutians, we have more evidence and we begin to see the level of integration, the level of interaction with the local host society and with the powers that have control in the local host society, the structures and the institutions that are beginning to have hold uh, of the host society are important to these immigrants. And they're already interacting and, and playing a role in that whole sphere of social networks that involve those uh, powers. We also have on the next page there, 1779, dedication of an altar to Roma, which shows that it's not just a momentary thing that they once pretended they wanted to honor Roma and pretended that she guarded them and their homeland but that they, this is an ongoing part of their social and religious life that they have here, uh, the Barutians. This one is uh, setting up of an altar, the Association of Barutian Poseidonist Merchants, Shippers and Warehousemen, set up the altar of Roma. As you saw in the discussion you had in your reading, we have the meeting place of the Barutians as well. This is rare that you have so many inscriptions and the meeting place. First of all, I should say something about the meeting place overall. You have that large hall that is F in the northeastern section. You have a smaller hall that is E in the northwestern section. 
You have a whole lot of rooms that they don't really know what they use them for, but could be used for a variety of things. Maybe even including merchants, pass, merchants from Beirut passing through to stay. And then in the northwestern section, you have their sanctuary area, their shrine area. And it's, uh, you would walk into the X area, uh, and then you'd have to go upstairs to get into the V area on your map here, on your diagram. And then there are three shrines at one point, and then four shrines at another point. The excavators found that there was a reconstruction to make three shrines into four. And what most scholars who have analyzed this suggest is that the gods who are honored here are, first of all, Poseidon for sure, because he's explicitly referred to. In other words, a Phoenician sea god. Poseidon is a Greek sea god, but the most likely candidate who, for who they mean by an ancestor, if they call Poseidon an ancestral god, it has to be a Phoenician god. And they do. They talk about their ancestral god, including Poseidon within it. So they're talking about a Phoenician god, sea god, and that one of these little shrines was devoted to Poseidon. One of these other shrines was devoted to Roma, because this is where the statue base for one of these statues for Roma was found. The other candidates are Astarte and Melkart, most likely candidates for the other ancestral gods that this particular group honors. Because we can study Beirut itself back in the ancient world and see what gods are most prevalent there. And Melkart and Astarte are the most prevalent gods, that would be most likely to be called the ancestral gods of Beirut. Uh, so Melkart, we've already come across with uh, the, the Tyrians who were devoted to Heracles as Melkart. So many of the Phoenician towns uh, share in common the same gods. 